0: Welcome to the Tactical Crouch, episode 137, brought to you by viewers like you on Patreon. Today, with your usual hosts, the I-can-give-you-advice-on-how-to-build-a-dolby-surround-sound-5-PC-streaming setup, John Kick Tripod Hostman! Together with none other than Honey-I-just-saw-this-reddit-thread, you start with the foreplay, and I will be back in two hours. Sasha Jiska Heinisch. And of course, the man who writes so many articles you thought it were three different people, but you vividly remember him for predicting China to win Overwatch League Season 12. Joseph Volomel Franco. Today, with a unique guest, three time visitor on this show, world class esports analyst. Content genius, number one panda lover in the world, and famously remembered for his disappointment (laughs) over finding out that the Cheesecake Factory is, in fact, not a factory, Dennis Bervoy Mats. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your episode 137, Talent Lineup. Yeah! Way better! Well done. <laughs> Dude,
1: oh I am god. dead. Oh my god. Oh my god. Absolutely <laughs> nailed <it. laughs> Jesus Christ. This okay. is how you do it in That is how you do it indoors. I didn't see that coming whatsoever. <laughs> oh my god. Uh,
2: wow. Whew. What do you say? What do you say?
1: Uh <laughs> that's sweet peak, guys. This is
2: it's not gonna get any
3: better though. Can
1: just stop the yeah, show. Thanks for
4: stopping. Bye, everybody. <laughs> we'll see ya. Can't top that. Um, yeah. Well, hey. I I don't there's no intro here. Uh we cause we already did that's it. So, so you already know who we all are. Uh thanks for being here. If you like the show, patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Big thank you to our patron producers, Refine Bean for Dino Pin, Battle Coochie Kopi, Loshin, Rex Zane, Nadio Compass, Kasha Sixty Seven, Shar, and Nathan Your Misery. Huntertained, Fabled Steven, Roger Bo and Chris R34444, Horbjorn. I listened to the podcast whilst on the toilet and in the shower thinking of Yiska and Peace Camper. Uh, thanks so much for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Obviously, we have a guest on the show, um, who is better at introing than I could ever hope to be. And I'm just looking back at the 136 previous episodes and wondering what I've been doing with my life. And um, <laughs> Yeah, but bro, it's been a while, man. Like, uh, it's it's been a while since we had you on the show. Uh, loving loving forever. the polo here. That's the we were talking about this before the show. Which one is it again?
0: Walks
3: tigers. tigers, not regular tigers, not normal tigers, not any other tigers. It's the Wox tigers, number one tigers. Where are they now, bro? They are all scattered, dead. Like the <laughs> scattered like the Dragon Balls.
2: Scattered like the. Oh, is there a laner? Prey Gorilla cool? Peanut Kuro Okay a minute, been a minute, minute. It's been cool. a minute. I'm just
3: forgetting. Dude I like my Yiska bit the most by the way I just want to say yeah, it was that. <laughs> really yeah,
2: that, that one sent me over the edge <laughs> I just saw the reddit
1: thread <laughs> Well it's not wrong nope. Simply not wrong <laughs> Not wrong at all other than suggesting that I'm uh, active in that way. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's one way to put it. That's certainly one way to put things.
4: <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, where are you from? Yeah, oh, I didn't see the Yiscat shirt back there. <coughs>
3: hmm? I nice. am oh. the best visitor guest of this show ever. <laughs>
2: we, need to, we need to make him a belt. Like a, like a championship belt that yes. we have to pass on every year to the, the best guest because I think... We're always easily like defending champion from 2019 with the Panda Dance intro. Oh, yeah, actually. To the, dude, I yeah. just
0: remember every time I'm here, like there's something
2: going on. He's always, he's, he always brings gifts. He's like Santa Claus. That's true. <laughs> it's, uh,
1: you know, you know that I once went to the bakery with that shirt on. Because it was laundry day oh, yeah, and I really right. didn't feel like that. Okay. and like two dudes walk up to me and just look at my chest and they just look at me and just go like, "What the <laughs> is going on?" And I'm I'm just improvising. Just go stack party and and they're like, "Oh yeah, congratulations!" <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I actually did wear my shirts across at one time and they thought it was like a famous CrossFitter and I just left <laughs> and went back to my, <laughs> my list. <laughs>
1: Didn't even, <laughs> didn't even give him a response. So it's just like,
4: <laughs> it's, it
1: does get further away from that. <laughs> well, wow.
4: Yeah. Anyways, so, Overwatch. A little bit of a lull here for another week, hey?
3: A mm. little bit of. Except this weekend, you can watch the To Want to Define Throwback Tournament.
0: What do you, to you by true. TD
3: Canada the t- canadian number one bank in canada <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, we are we a canadian number play, one bank no, in canada to play goats because i'm a fucking genius <laughs> <guess>.
1: <laughs> so that, how is that you t- <laughs> ironically i'm more hyped
0: for this than all stuff i'm <laughs> not kidding
3: fine. dude i i i bet you that this tournament is gonna get more viewers than the fucking contenders final
0: just because it's fucking goats like Probably. How good is sorry, it? Sorry, sorry, tier two. <laughs>
4: there's a couple <laughs> of them in here.
0: You uh, you like, should have really communicated
1: to your players how serious they should take it. <laughs> like it's it's just like I'm looking at Numlock's so It's like oh yeah, okay, it's <laughs> going to be a chill event. And well, then you look at like <laughs> like ro-
3: Rocky in comparison. It's just it's, like what is going on? I don't know. We told them we told them <laughs> it's just for fun because the fucking season is over. But then there's mm-hmm. like Logics who just gets the stacked lineup and then like karif after uh, karif wanted to have like a real chill lineup
0: but then he saw logics try like, uh-uh. <laughs> so he was like okay now i gotta try hard and meanwhile woki didn't say anything and he got like what hanbin and like yeah. uh, we, uh know, like, K or something or, yeah we are, i think like, as
3: well right yeah <laughs> it's
0: like, <laughs> this
3: is actually so insane fun? it's actually nuts yeah <laughs> It's gonna be stacked and so, then unlocked here with his five real life friends
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what about the roles for the goats tournament does any, everyone have to play these six characters exactly or can you uh, we, play we all-
3: actually said they can play eight so it's the six original goats characters and anna and zen are also uh available mm. ah okay um, right so they can they can play a bit around but they asked if they can play like somber goats and we were like nah, <laughs> nah. fuck off <laughs> yeah no, that, that would be. I mean, Sonora
1: Goats, I suppose, in some sense, could have been interesting because it was like sort of stage three meta, but like, yeah, like that's that's as far as they should probably drag it. The, what do you mean, like, Anna Zen? Is, is Moira then also a playable yeah, character? Yeah, yeah. definitely. So okay, Mo- right. uh,
3: right. I, I would say the original Goats character.
1: Right, yeah. And, and Gator is also in that tournament, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bringing it back, yeah.
3: Dude, yeah, yeah no. it's gonna—it's actually gonna be fucking fun. I'm yeah. looking forward to this. Yeah, not gonna watch the Overwatch League final, but I'm gonna watch this.
1: <laughs> Are you really not going to?
3: No, I will watch it. Obligatory. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, so it's like a group stage into a single limit
3: Uh, Yeah, I don't know if I announced it yet, but we'll have like two groups and they do like a round robin. And then after the round robin, we'll have semifinals, third place match and final. Wait, how do you do that in one day? That's an insane amount of games, isn't it? It it is a lot of games. I'm not, I'm not sure if they'd like simulcast the group stage Mm. or something, but it's going to be a lot of games. (laughs) Uh, again, it's like five teams per group. The top two make it out, so I guess it's oh. like per group. It's like what ten games? Yeah, that's a lot actually. Yeah. It's quite yeah. a bit of overlap. I guess there will be simulcasts uh, because we mm. have like we have like so many broadcasts. Actually, there's like mm. five different streams or something. Oh really? Um, wow, interesting. Which is cool, and the players can stream too because it's in theory it's fun, but they of can course. win money. So, I guess that's why right. some of them are harder. True.
1: It's also just fun to try out again, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Fun yeah. to try out goats especially.
1: Do you know if any of them have been uh, scrimming?
3: Actually <laughs> Nevix Navix asked me like two days ago if he can have like the code that we will play on because uh we will we try to like run back the patch as much as we can with like workshop mm. and whatever. Mm. So that brick isn't garbage and like uh and wine shield has like more health or whatever. Uh, so we try we try to do it as much as as we can with the workshop stuff. But Navix actually asked if he can if he can have it so they can scrim and I think Navix and Logix's team are scrimming against each other. <laughs> really? So they are actually like they it are full in good games. <laughs> yes.
1: That's insane! Wow. Right.
5: This is gonna be fun. Mm. Yeah.
3: Fucking goats! Everyone loves goats. Are you are are you doing anything for
4: this tournament, bro?
3: Like I actually will be on the analyst desk for the semi final and the third place and final. I don't know what we do, but it will probably be fun. Wait, what It'll do you know about goats? <laughs> <laughs> no, never mind. GG. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, actually, I I thought it would be fun. I don't know. I don't know. I just had this random idea because uh, TD is our new sponsor and they came in like only a few weeks ago and they wanted to do something and Mm -hmm. so they wanted to do a tournament because like a bunch of other teams did tournaments and and we were like we were like meh it's gonna be after the season the players have left like we have to do something that's not like super annoying for them so that's when i thought we can just play goats because like after GOATS went out, like, there were so many GOATS lobbies where people would just play GOATS and, uh, and like, a lot of pro players would just play GOATS, especially Koreans, loved GOATS. After it was mm-hmm. patched out, everyone would just still play GOATS because it's so much, so much fun. So that's what we're doing. Play it's fucking just like scale. a hidden,
2: like, insane GOATS team that's just only been playing, like, <laughs> comp for the last two years. Yes. It's crazy.
5: It's this Sunday, a 11 a.m. Eastern. Certainly, click the ads. Click the ads. I have never said this. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bold-faced lie. Well, the season is over.
2: Sad or boy. the Toronto Defiant. We want to kind of jump into... Let's
4: do... Sorry, I got distracted because Fall Guys posted an official lore post about the skeletons of the Fall Guys guys.
3: Yeah. There's lore in Fall Guys. Apparently. Okay.
4: And uh, anyways... 2020, baby. So they show... You know, it's actually a bright spot in 2020. Yeah. Uh, that's the sad thing. So yeah, let's... Let, let us do that thing and jump in a little bit to the conversation with Broy. So let's take a look at the Toronto Defiant at a glance here. The uh, finished with an eight and fourteen records and it's including uh, bonus wins, I believe. Fifteenth uh, in Overwatch League overall, eighth in NA out of thirteenth thirteen teams, and I think one of the biggest highlights for me at least was your. Uh, really great finish in the summer showdown, finishing tied for third fourth. Um, so, with all that in mind, kind of laying that base, how are you feeling after uh, the last uh, season uh, for the Toronto Defiant overall? Did you meet kind of your expectations?
3: Oh, definitely not. <laughs> like the thing is that uh, we always they they put expectations on us to to um, get into playoffs. Uh, from the start of the season which back then meant like well done uh (laughs) all (laughs) you had to do was like (laughs) instructing global pandemics in order to achieve that Well, back back then it would have been like what top 12 top Top 8 or something yeah um which i guess we haven't met I, i i guess actually i remember going on reddit at the start of the season and like all the people there would I checked like what the predictions were and all the people on Reddit were putting us the highest we got was 12 <laughs> and then the lowest we got was 20 because yeah, but mm-hmm. I think we actually hit the average Reddit expectation, which mm-hmm. is probably not a good thing. <laughs> right? Well, certainly not.
4: <laughs> um, I ended up ranking you twice, by the way. I don't know if you know, I okay. think I ranked you They'd 17th happen. and 12th. So if you average so those out, it- yeah, right on expectations. Yeah, yes. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm yeah. hoping that whoever had made the spreadsheet um, put that in there. Uh, for that, for my accurate spreadsheet of being really good at pre-season power rankings, that doesn't tilt you uh, at all.
3: Thing things could have definitely been better. I mean, there's uh, there were just a lot of things that were uh, crappy this season. But I guess we're not the only team um, for which it's the case. Uh, it's just like, just a lot of things. Obviously the pandemic, uh, Jay retiring, Fefe retiring, Kellex retiring, like retirements are not easy to handle. (laughs) Right. They're not easy to handle at all. Um, it's uh, suddenly there's like a lot of new responsibilities that have to be put on someone, someone else's shoulder. If it's a player or a coach, it's the same thing um
4: so there was no and, sort of like st- intended structural changes that came with those retirements they were generally pretty surprising
3: well yeah we didn't expect them to retire well obviously we had like a plan once we knew that it's gonna happen sure um but uh, it's still like it's not the thing with which we went into the season so no one really expected fifa to retire for example and then uh, however, we reacted. It, it's not going to be ideal because mm. it's middle of the season. Head coach is retiring. We have no one who's can who can like really fit into the head coach role. Um. So it's it's just going to be non ideal for the rest of the season. And I guess uh, we we actually managed like fairly okay. We did like well in the summer showdown. We actually I think we played like really well in the playoffs. Honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. it's really unfortunate that we lost against Gladiators, but I think that was one of our best matches in the season. Try. Like yeah, try. uh I think if we if we had won against Gladiators, I literally think we would have at least won one more match. If that's against like Florida or Valiant, like all of those were one hundred percent beatable. Um hmm. especially once we win against Gladiators. It's just yeah, uh, it's just a bit unfortunate.
1: And it was close, right? Like it <clears throat> <clears throat> felt like there were there were like two deaths away, especially only Jiang, where it's like if that guy doesn't die here, then you probably win that map. And uh, yes. it's yeah, it's it's rough in that um sense most definitely. Like it's also <clears throat> felt like for the strategical options that you had, you still executed quite well in, in terms of like uh, what what could be done and, and, and in the end like I feel to a large degree and we, maybe we I mean I don't think it really matters whatever is going to be played in the top four I think we, we already have enough justification to say that the comms that you and Houston were running were actually quite feasible uh, on a wide oh, range yeah. of maps um, yes. and uh, the thing that- is
3: the, I I don't know what the Public reaction was to us playing it. I, I saw the public reaction to Houston playing it, which was mm, obviously yeah. like uh, overblown. But the thing is that uh, you have to understand that uh, if you play a comp that is like half decent, even and I, it's more than half decent. This fair comp, in my opinion, it's more than just half decent. But if you play a comp that's like half decent and no one else plays it except for maybe one team. Mm. Then you're gonna have an advantage in the match because no one is gonna practice against it. Like, they, mm. like once you go into the match, they have no clue what they're gonna do. Like, right. I'm not saying play it on Lijiang like Houston does because I mm. think that's like a little bit of a stretch. But like on on a lot of those maps, you can you can play it, uh, and people will have no clue what to do. And if it's half decent, then that means you win. Like because right. adaptation in the moment is extremely difficult especially under pressure especially under pressure mm. for making playoffs like mm. uh, that's the thing um, i know this
2: was a kind of a big talking point even looking at last season with goats and like people trying to like allow yeah. a, a lot of like what monty had uh critiqued houston for was you know trying to still adopt the goat style even though like it obviously was not working oh yeah them. i Is critiqued that them
3: too for this actually i remember so
2: that. so you you kind of agree with that sentiment and even more so now in 2020 looking at like find not finding your own style. I think that's kind of overplayed at this point, but like creating a style that isn't going to be easily replicated by other teams, like finding, finding what works.
3: There are two things that you can do either, either Mm -hmm. you're like, you're by default, like a really good team and you're just very good at, uh, at the game. And then you can probably just play meta And like, refine the details of the meta like for example if you're philly you want to figure out exactly what your reaper does in the fucking reaper somber um composition like you want to like micromanage him as much as possible and give him like advice for how to hold this right. fucking gun or something like you know it, it, you just go down to the very detail um because you just want to be the best in the meta but if you're if you're a team who's like on the bottom half of the rankings uh, then I think it makes way more sense to just play something that suits your players, um, and that is not played by other teams as much. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna always happen that there is something like this. But for mm. example, in this patch currently, there's this Farrah thing, which uh, is probably good for Houston because they have like a good Farrah player, and it's probably good for us because we have um, a bunch of players who are good on those heroes as well. So um if if you're one of those bottom half teams if you will then doing that is actually strategically the better option because you're never going to be as good as the best teams on uh on a meta unless your players are like specifically good at those heroes like for example in the summer showdown we are obviously like really good on the genji in the genji meta because we have like players that are really good on those specific heroes so just playing the meta is good because we are good at it. If it's but fine. if we are on a meta where that's not necessarily the case, where we have to play like Sombra Reaper, um, which isn't a strong suit of our of our um, players this season, then we should play something different, which makes sense and which, players, which teams don't play against.
1: To, like to, that, I, I wrote that article, by the way, yeah. like I think six weeks before that Houston uh, point ever popped. It's called The matter is a Gamble, Why Don't You Play the Odds? Which is basic <laughs> yeah. very much the same, like basically the <laughs> elevator explanation of that article. And it's more so now the case than it ever was, I think, because um like now, uh, I feel like the the top teams haven't l- reached a level of sophistication. In this uh, specific comms where, Just by the synergy and integrity of the comp that they play, it's very hard to even throw curveballs into them, right? Like Mm. it was like when when people talked about like Shanghai having solved uh, sort of goats uh, with season three, like people were telling me like Shock and Titans were very close to figuring that out without ever having to make a hero switch, right? Yeah if That's they had thing. prepared for that then they would have likely like it had that meta continued goats would have prevailed most likely over the shanghai Kong.
2: i think it just would have adapted right like you would have found like a way to deal with like the dps yes. compositions like it would have existed but i think the dps composition would have existed as well like it seems like we're always at least for the future of like modern overwatch if we're going to call it that like we have at least two horses in each race like even it for it For every, like, solved GOATS meta that we think we find, there's always going to be that, like, second school of thought that's like, well, you could do this if you had the right players, if you had the right kind of style.
3: Is that something that you kind of think going forward? uh, Especially, uh, well, for me, especially in this hero pool um, thing, it's that teams don't have the time to quickly figure out what is going on. Because mm-hmm. if you give them the time, then they'll figure it out like sure. if you if you give them the time, then you can play Reaper somewhere everywhere, maybe maybe make one he will swap to deal with the pharaoh or something, or mm-hmm. make one he will swap to deal with uh, Genji or whatever like um but if you don't have the time, then you're gonna adapt on the spot, which is something that's gonna be hard to do, like for example the the reason why I think like if we if we had beaten gladiators i think we would have won against every team we would have had the chance to to win against every team except for philly because we scrimmed philly a lot Mm -hmm. um and philly Mm -hmm. figured out how to deal with it actually uh which was unfortunate in the first few scrims against philly we did well and then at some point we just got crushed but um the thing is that you have to have the time to figure out what to do. And if you never see something before, then you don't have the time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's not obvious uh, and if that other comp is half-decent. So that's why I think we could have won one more match, even if it was against like Florida or, or um, Paris or Shock. Um, Shock less so, but at least the other two. I'm fairly confident that we would have had a, had a shot at winning. Uh, and that's something that I think will continue in the future as well, where Uh, teams should just experiment a bit and not just default to whatever other teams do especially if we continue with like hero pools which i hate by the way Uh, (laughs) but if we if we do that then you can just you can just experiment with different kind of things and see what's happening so actually like something that happened this year mm -hmm. Sorry, something that happened this year that i felt like was initiated by florida the most was I don't know if that was noticeable from the outside as much, but in the past, uh, teams would always play like there would always be like those three things. There was like poke, wash, and dive. Right? Those are the three archetypes mm-hmm. in Overwatch. Yeah, yeah. Something that happened this season like a lot was that and I felt like it was Florida, that the team came up with like a hybrid comp that was like pokey Both. wash or like divey divey poke. Mm. and then this comp would just completely destroy everything else because it can to it can do two things and you just have to adapt the playstyle of what you do depending on what other teams are playing and depending on what the meta is like pushing out uh, you can you can just play the cyber comp because most of the time what happened this season was that the hero pools would push out rush completely or well, mm. poke wasn't playable at all for the two weeks that hu- the a specific hero pool was in place. And then you, if if there was no poke, then you just play like Washi Dive, and um, maybe that's a bad example. But and suddenly this this new hybrid comp is like really good, mm. and I felt like that's something new that happened. If there was nothing else that happened anew, I felt like this was a season of hybrid comps. Uh, I don't know if that was really noticeable, but that's something that um, really felt like it happened a lot. Like just think about all the ash tracer comms, where yeah. it's like
2: half dive, half poke. You saw fate doing a lot of like really vertical jumps, and mm. kind of peppering in some like deep dives along with his tracer, based on certain things. or At least I'm I'm kind of assuming that based on what you're saying. And it kind of like makes sense now that you're saying it. I didn't put two and two together, but yeah, that definitely checks out looking at his kind of play style in particular. It seemed like he was there's like kind of two schools of thought where he would either dive or just kind of like do this almost Reinhardt-esque play a lot where playing very, very purposely around the corners and just not really playing like a Winston almost would or like not how you art like stereotypically think of a Winston to play. But yeah, it's interesting. Then. Definitely didn't pick up on
4: that. So you, yeah. did, you did mention and then kind of continue to go on about uh, that you hated hero pools. And I want to unpack that a little bit uh, with you. So for, for and you specifically, you were talking about it from the perspective of compositional diversity. And I mean, I think that it would not be a generalization to say that one of the largest um, aspects of implementing hero pools was to address compositional diversity. Ah, uh, do you not feel that uh, hero pools did that, and like why, like why else do you hate hero pools? That uh, especially when you come from like a, you know, want to see more, um, like uh, siege teams try more and do more of what they're good at.
3: No, I felt I felt like it. It definitely created a lot of diversity in terms of um, what was gonna play be played over the season. Uh, the thing is, it's just that. It feels kind of random, uh, and because mm-hmm. like randomly a team is good or randomly a team is bad mm. uh, because of hero pools. And um, I I remember, I remember there was this one hero pool where it was just like, okay, shock is shit. Shock is just shit now. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Thank you. And then everyone would just like, uh, would just say that shock has to get new players because obviously they are not good anymore <laughs> like mm. no just wait 2 weeks and all of a sudden they can play wash again like mm. whatever um it's just that i i, I think he is something uh, it's a tweet i made at the start of the season that whoopool will create diversity and it will create randomness um but it will take away like how good teams will be like at a certain matter because you can never reach the ceiling if you only have two weeks. So the thing is that um, there are two things that that you could think that brings viewership because it's all from a viewership perspective that the league did this mm-hmm. in the first place. Uh, and the two things are either you create randomness, or you create excitement through randomness uh because all all of a sudden um boston can be can be San francisco mm. uh, and the other thing that you could do is create excitement through prowess, so you have like shock versus Philly like every month because those are the two best teams, and it's gonna be hype as fuck but to see those teams play on like the best the best level that overwatch can be played and from my perspective. This season was an experiment to do excitement through randomness and it failed like just look at the viewership numbers. Oh, it, it that's failed.
1: our topic guys. Okay, Number guy, tell him.
3: Well, I haven't looked at the numbers quite. Right. Because
1: but... no no, like what I was saying is we had the argument that while viewership is very intransparent in what makes makes up the intentions of viewers, it at least felt like When Hero Pulse uh, came in, there was really nothing happening to the graphs that we didn't see in the pattern uh, of of the seasons beforehand. There was something that
2: Blizzard did that did impact the graph.
3: (laughs) Yes, and that's excitement through prowess. Yes. So that's that's why I
2: wanted to kind of fight you there, because I felt like they did both. Like, to your definitions, it felt like they
3: tried both, which is, like, a good thing and obviously a bad thing. But the thing is, They'd never intended to do it. Sure. They never intended to create excitement through power. They never intended to have like monthly. They wanted tournaments. hero pools to just rock the entire season. Yeah. Right. It's well, just I mean, something there's that happened Because data. of the, co- the coronavirus. Right. Yeah. No, that
1: like that tournaments helped is very likely the case, even though they coincided with drops also coming back. Sure. Um, but like that. Has a provable t- track record in like seeing like there, there are certain things that coincide also with uh hero like the lowering of production value, right? Like maybe that turns people off, um, like having less the uh, possibility of less analysis segment of like engaging content in that way, um, not having the hype, uh, live crowd or whatever, that, yeah, like just not being it, it's not sort of. general. Um, but I feel like there was a like a grace period. And you would have thought that at least there was would be some fluctuation generally. like I think we cannot say with which um with which power this moved anything i I think it just was completely inconsequential, like gut feeling i I think. Based on the numbers that we observe, it neither helped nor really hurt anything. Which, either that goes by attracting a certain audience and therefore another part of the audience leaving, or the general audience just being indifferent to whatever is happening on the screen. I mean, I think you could argue that it's
2: subjectively kind of like... Ruined any kind of explanation like it was already bad that like the analysis desk and like the pre show was already kind of like hard to do just like 20 teams you only have so many people you don't they only have so much time to be able to sink into like building these narratives and now that they're manufactured week by week and you have to come up with an explanation for that that's like very real and tangible to the viewer like yeah I I think you could like with some accuracy say that yeah it it hurt things it didn't
1: help anything like I OK, so because one comment in chat tells me off the planet, um, there was let, let me quickly find it. There was a um, a research paper by sorry, it's uh, De- De- Deloitte, Deloitte. I don't know how, how you pronounce Deloitte. that. It's like a Deloitte. Yeah. And they analyzed esports data during COVID. Right. Okay. And the graphs that I looked at, it's like 70 percent up um like in most countries like across right. the board yeah is it like measured by like titles in particular or is it um just like it's now specifically for europe to be fair i think okay, i haven't looked at the data in in detail but like um like From viewership glance, increase it looks up it just does, doesn't just look up it looks significantly up right okay. except one esports title does
4: <laughs> Right.
5: So, which is
4: a Which, okay, <sighs> well, I'm gonna, I'm like, okay. I'm already going to say it. I'm already going to say it. There's one thing that Overwatch League also did this season that none of those other esports did. Right. Change
1: platforms. Try to, oh, yeah. I mean, sure. sure. Yes. But, like, the, I mean, the, that's a drop off that's definitely happening. By the way, I, maybe I misphrased what, what I was saying. Like, um, they only the aggregate uh, eSports viewership. They're actually not saying anything about Overwatch, but we can tell that it happened, right? like, um, and like the the platform argument is a fine one because yes, we absolutely lost viewership in terms of like transitioning to Twitch, but it's about the growth patterns at these specific points in time, which is other or uh, other events or or leaks that also, by the way, uh, stream on youtube had at the time of the pandemic an increase in viewership on that particular cr- platform on youtube on twitch in general right yeah we didn't we had our growth when tournaments came in or
3: end uh, token which tokens. we're we're blessed for we're, we're yeah, very just thankful just for i, tournaments I have mean right just look at Call of Duty <laughs> just look at Call of Duty mm. and what happened there I don't know if you follow it much but uh, obviously my organization has a Call of Duty team so I get I, I, I know some shit um, and the thing is they convinced Activision that it would make way more sense to have tournaments because yeah. they wanted to do the same thing in Call of Duty where it's just like a season and you play each mm. week and then you have playoffs yep. Boeing, Boeing as fuck So what the Call of Duty teams did, and with all the player influence, like all the fucking millions of followers they have on Twitter, apparently that convinced them one week before they started the season that they want to have tournaments, actually. And look at what it did for the scene. Like, all of a sudden, Call of Duty gets more viewers than Overwatch League. Yeah. This, this man just emerged from my soul. It's telling all these truths, man. Like so This is what I've been
1: uh, living in.
4: Like there, there is another aspect of this, though, and, and we need to talk about it, and it's just the simple fact that the content creation market as well for Call of Duty is much stronger. People are already on YouTube consuming COD. Sure. It's sure. already a platform that people use and consume regularly, and esports is a big part of that. Overwatch doesn't have that. That's, a, is, that's another issue as
3: well. The season didn't start strong for Call of Duty. It actually got better over the over time. I agree. Uh, They did a better job at growing it.
4: But I think that having a strong, having a strong foundation on the platform that they're putting their Premier League on, helps. That doesn't hurt. That
1: sure fair. Right. Where is the strong foundation for Overwatch again? Which platform?
4: Uh, your mom's Switch. (laughs) <laughs> like, there is none. That's my I point. Mean, I, like, I, that's not your point, but that's a point that we agree on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I actually think if there's a strong foundation for Overwatch uh, compared to other esports, it's actually live events. Right. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, yeah. I think live events in Overwatch yeah. work way better than any other I think esports. Community title. based stuff is Rating? where Blizzard, mm. Blizzard has the bread sure and butter. True, yeah.
1: Have, you guys were at the Homestands, right?
3: Yes. At one of them? We what, were was it one four. or two? Okay. Uh, we were at like three or four. Right. We that were in remember. Washington twice, in Houston, and our oh, Florida one got canceled. So I guess it might be three.
1: Can, can you tell us about the experience? Like,
3: how were the crowds? Were it, was it full? Was it hype? Like... Oh, and we were in New York as well. Uh, yeah. New York was the first week, I think. So that one yeah, was yeah. like extremely hype. It was mm-hmm. hype as fuck.
4: Yeah. Um, like, yeah. New York and Dallas, I think, were that week. Houston, that was...
3: Houston was hype as well uh washington because washington the first week was actually really good the second week we were there it was it got kind of meh because it was like there was a two-week break and then it was washington right uh so that's you kind of have to realize that there's some satisfaction reached and then people won't go there anymore um but actually i think if we had continued the year with traveling to different events uh, throughout the year and not having like Washington every, every month and not having Houston every month, then it would have been really good. Like I know most homes or like a lot of home stands were sold out. Like I know our home stands were sold out and our home stands mm-hmm. were in like fucking August. <laughs> so uh, it right. didn't matter at all. Um, but the thing is that I think life events for Overwatch make a lot of sense because, uh, for some reason, it just works. Like I mean, it's, it's, it's very
4: inclusive the community. So there's like, I would say that the base of just uh, the people represented it is probably the largest of any game, especially on the esports level. Um, depending on how you classify it, also sport, Fortnite. I think
3: it's also just that um, there's like a lot of kids that don't necessarily follow the Overwatch League, but they know esports, and there's mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of young. Just a lot of young children that like have this like back back in the head. They have this ambition to be like an esports professional one Mm -hmm. day. And if you have like an opportunity to go to an esports event, even if you don't follow Overwatch like Overwatch League extremely closely, because you're just ten years old, you probably go there. I remember like it was it was funny because after our uh, homestand, after the homestand in New York, um, we went to me and a couple of players with our content team we went Mm -hmm. to the empire state building and because our content team wanted to take pictures and videos and whatever and there were like a group of children up there and they they were like hey like are you are you an esports team Uh, like we had just to to want to define like jackets Mm -hmm. on or something there was nothing to say that it's like Mm esports but Mm -hmm. they kind of got it right uh maybe there was like an Overwatch League logo or whatever but like Mm. they didn't necessarily know what to want to define this but they knew what esports is and I think that's that's the thing that like draws people to those kind of events if they are locally because most other esports don't have this.
4: Well and I think Mm. the United States and I don't know if this is like this at all in like Germany but like in the United States there's actually a lot of like tier 2 professional sports that like people will Still, like local, I would say like lacrosse teams and soccer teams are like a great example of you know you're not really a soccer fan, I'm not really a lacrosse person, but you know I'll go check out the Colorado Rapids um, yeah, yeah. and stuff too because it's, it's a part of the event um, that happens. And I think that I, I think that that actually makes a ton of sense for people who I like Overwatch, but I'm not necessarily like an esports fan, um, right? Or like a not necessarily
2: or
1: the other way around. Okay. Can I then ask, like, what do you think that kind of mechanism helps with? So it's like, are you getting new fans in through this? Are you just, like,
3: creating revenue through this? I think think it doesn't help at all. (laughs) No, I I just wanted to hit on that. This is probably the best thing that Overwatch has. I think it's shit. Like, for for financially, it's probably garbage. Like, I'm pretty sure that most teams lose money on homestands. As far as I know teams lose like oh my god wait wait wait
1: let's not cost you your job i think that's not necessarily uh always the case but i definitely have heard things uh
3: yeah yeah it's probably not always the case but it it just costs a lot of money to like rent event centers and set Mm -hmm. it all up and stuff and um i'm not sure probably probably teams if they're sold out they probably make some money uh so Revenue, but it's it's not significant. Uh, right. I think the biggest thing that it does for you is um, it grows fandom, right. uh, which is...
4: Well, and that's... A lot of these homestands, there's definitely a part of it that's just considered a marketing expense, right? Um, yeah. You know, you, you're Makes not... Sense. It's not that everybody is... I, like, I don't think anybody is ever, like, hoping... Let's try to lose money on this uh expense right like i don't think anybody is saying this you're trying to make it one way or another um i don't have visibility to a lot of the homestands but my general idea is that the expectations the delta were was large in what people were expecting from homestand actual revenue um in the sense that a lot of teams were okay and prepared to take a loss if needed at the beginning mm-hmm. Um, Mm, not that they were happy with it or not that they expected to, or they budgeted not to just that um, you kind of understand how things go. All of a sudden you're in a first time, first time homestand. Are they going to buy merch or not? How much food are they going to spend? Is the event too short so that people don't want to buy food or the food price is too expensive? Like is the entertainment good? Are people drunk enough? Like there's a lot of (laughs) aspects that, you know, make those events there and um, not, not, every overwatch league team as far as i know also has a like a experienced events coordinator at this scale right um to bring it because i mean the closest i i don't think that they're attracting a ton of like tier 1 sports talent to do that i don't know if they're bringing there's a lot of like expertise in the endemic sports organizations probably uh to help with that and i don't know how they borrow and share that talent at all um or if they do at all uh, but it's, I think, I don't know of any teams that fully, like, designed. If we saw Boston, Boston would be the uh, would, would be the homestand that I would expect to, like, try to create the most realistic money-in-to-money-out scenario uh, just based on how they've built everything else so far.
5: Mm-hmm. True. Yeah.
1: No, I mean... A- like just to round out, like what the mechanics are, are that I think also help is, I actually think it increases the broadcast experience. Um, like someone, let, let's let's just uh, uh, find a tangible uh, example. I think a cast of someone like Uber shouts in a big arena, casting mm-hmm. the home team, mm-hmm. is a very different and much more hype experience than it is when. Uh, when he has to sit at home um, without anyone like they are just entertainers that feed off a crowd. Right. Like that's that's basically yes. like what you bring someone like, you in know, in, in some way, like we domesticated a lion in that sense yep, uh, this that season. Definitely right? helps. Um, so I think that's that's definitely like one mechanism that like also we see it in, in traditional sports where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're playing. It just the feeling is very different. I enjoy it personally. I I know a lot of friends that I've talked to that just don't enjoy that without the atmosphere where they like the the church built around the game is part of the entertainment for them, right? An mm-hmm. experience. for sure. And yeah. I I'm just like wow, I can finally hear the players talk and the good teams talk more, and this is kind of dope. And what they they are saying, like <laughs> I finally understand, right? But like that's not the uh, average fan experience, so. If someone was to make the argument to say okay, COVID really hurt the Overwatch League because in more ways than revenue creation, if there was even any through homestands, I agree because the the tangible effect or the intangible effects that it has on the product uh, would be big. And let's not forget also on the player mentals. Uh, I think it would have helped. Um, And I'm coming around to the idea that it is almost equal Uh, to the... um, So, what I mean is the the travel would have been very stressful, more so for some teams than others. Um, And it would have absolutely, like, heavily burned out people as well. Mm -hmm. But probably... Probably not more so than being locked inside the entire time without the ability to... Because now i'm personally also feeling the effects of this like it's just like it's just nice to talk to someone right
3: <laughs> every once in a while mm-hmm. yeah it is no you're you're completely right There's two different ways of uh, mentally booming um and i think both are non-ideal but yeah i think i also think that like uh, life events are just those kind of things where you can go to, and it's fun because there's like a lot of people having fun. And even if you don't necessarily understand what's going on, like on the screen, as much as you would do if you're sitting at home, sure, it's right. just more enjoyable. The energy. Yep. Yeah, I mean,
2: another kind of measurable thing that I think esports is kind of plagued by is the fact that fans, like very endemic fans, don't want to spend money. The Overwatch League it's fans true. do. Why? Yes. Because it's built from the ground up to kind of uh, attach itself to what I think are are pretty like fundamental grouping mechanisms to, to get real Yiska, you know, it's tribalism, right? It's manufactured tribalism. Right. Here's a bunch of clothes that say I'm part of this tribe. Fans want to buy that. I and mean, this isn't just, this isn't, this isn't just vapid stuff. This isn't team liquid. Like I don't, I don't have any ties to team liquid, but if it was the New York team liquid, then you start to see that transition. And I think that's the, the, big attraction of this whole thing and I think you could see measurable I don't know the numbers but I'd be willing to put a large Mm. sum of money on that being a big uh, pack vector
1: that's one thing I understood the intention with like making a big deal out of super fans in like the first Mm -hmm. seasons I just thought it was ill conceived of what mass fandom is because I think the vast majority of fans actually don't want to stand out or feel like they're individuals in this crowd. I yeah. think if you go to an arena, you want to be part of the LA Valiant soup in this gigantic bowl that is yeah. the arena, right? And you want to become part of that energy. And to elevate certain people of fandom in that regard, I don't think that's necessarily a healthy thing. Now, if these people just had like, like for, for instance, we know that from, and I'm sure it's also a thing in American sports, like our super fans, in that sense, we mean, we like don't the have hype, them as bad as <laughs> yours. The the collective hype creators in in football arenas, where it's like yeah. one guy just destroying his vocal cords, just ch- getting everyone like to cheer the same thing, are, right?
4: Yeah. High school, yeah. There's always the of Yeah.
1: And like we have these ultra groups, of course, that also like dictate a lot, um, yeah. and they sometimes need to be reeled in. It is very rarely a person. I couldn't name you a single super fan in uh, European sports other oh. than like like the other <laughs> than like the the guy that was like you know like uh, hugging the, the Brazilian World Cup when they got 7-1. That's the one, one guy that I knew, right? Everyone else is just part of the same soup and then there's a small guy down there screaming very loudly what and the others cheer that. Yeah. And now in the Overwatch League, I can easily point you uh towards Mm -hmm. like the people that were elevated you could probably name a few by like name right right yeah Mm -hmm. right
2: absolutely and 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 i agree like i think um like the agreeable portion for me there is like the idea that over the course of like history we've definitely gone away from like the super fandom like that i feel like has definitely gone down and as like a cultural trend especially with like the younger people um Mm. I think this kind of goes back to the idea that Blizzard really didn't want to be endemically eSports. I think there there has been, like, a big war waged on, like, the idea of eSports and, like, Blizzard kind of paving a new way and being like, this isn't going to work. We have to do our own thing for the right. 18th different time and, like, fail 30 different ways that people have already failed and never learned from anything anybody did over here. Might be Activision, dude. Which
4: very well could like, be. Right? I mean, we you guys saw the announcement Companies today, in general. right? Like... All of your favorite game directors, who look like they were, might just be retiring. Like they were just like worn out from it. They're like, no, 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 no. This is
2: we're gonna go make our own thing. Now we're gonna go our, make our own you know, thing now that we can't. Is up.
4: Yeah, now that we can't get yeah. in trouble for it anymore.
2: And and that very, that very well might be the case, right? It's just a trend that I've noticed since this whole thing kind of kicked off. They're they're very against like endemic esports, or they're very like. uh, they They look at traditional sports in, in a very glowing light, let's say. Um, but to kind of return to the idea of like traveling and how that might affect like experimentation and stuff like that, I wanted kind of your opinion on the f- the idea that we would have or how how would you or what is your opinion on the idea that travel would have increased experimentation and hero pools wasn't necessarily needed? travel yeah travel having different meta pockets as you kind of travel to asia you experience new compositions we know overwatch is a very oh. social game oh yeah that we didn't experience that we all. didn't see we didn't get that at all uh, we just had it manufactured for us
3: yeah actually i think that would have been amazing honestly do you think that would have happened yes definitely just just look at what's happening right now mm-hmm. like asia has their own kind of meta mm-hmm. um and they will clash like they're clashing right now in scrims like right. those two matters uh and i think that would have ha- this, that would have happened continuously where if like because we wouldn't have gone for example we would have wouldn't have gone to china for like a long time we would have gone to china in right. like may or june or something mm-hmm. and uh until then we would have never interacted with china unless they come here for like a month right right um and because those occasions would be would have been like extremely rare over the course of the season it would have happened like twice or three times or something that mm-hmm. the the individual pockets would have interacted with each other they would have been like uh, there would have never been like a converging matter that would have um, come out of this because even if like even if like let's say boston goes to china and we don't go to China, and then Boston comes back with the China ideas. Doesn't mean that they, that suddenly we all play the China comms, right. because Boston is coming back with the China comms. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, it would have just been, again, just an A at some point, like after a week or so, Boston will play an A, or an A will play a little bit of the China stuff. And then the same happens in China. And then they will evolve on their own again and then suddenly we go to china and it's it would have been fun in that sense actually i think so uh, i
2: think with the the con not the constant patching but even if they upped and and were a little bit more aggressive in in their patching of the game like we, we understand how much or how quickly one patch can change things just look at the grand finals patch or like the the playoff patch right like yes it's Nobody could have expected it. I don't think Blizzard expected it to be played this way, right? So it's it, we we're still kind of figuring out what patches mean for this game. They can be crazy uh, catalysts for changes you can't expect. So that constantly resetting things, you know, two, three months out, every stage, every tournament, however you want to kind of tie it together. I don't think hero pools were were necessarily needed, and it's kind of interesting to hear.
3: Well on. I don't think he would he did. I mean <sure. laughs> I, I think I, I, I really think that it just it just creates a very different environment of like what happened normally in Overwatch League. Mm. Because normally what what happened last year was that everyone was trying to like um, narrow down details of the comp, like where should your right. Azaria position in goats, and like you you always want to have this like ninety percent angle of your tanks or something, right? Uh, w- which were actual stuff that people mm-hmm. talked about because it was um, because it was something that helped you win, um, and it's it's super detailed and in hero pools at all. Because of Evil Pulse, it all became this like uh, teaching a player how to be how, how to be a good player in general. Like what should they call and who should they play with like in a general sense? Mm. Because in two weeks, whatever detail you tell them right now doesn't matter anymore. No. So it's like the bad teams are chasing it's like the bad teams are constantly chasing after making it more detailed because um, they want to they, they want to catch up to the good teams, while the good teams are trying to teach the players something more intrinsically right. valuable that's valuable for the next matters as well. Yeah.
1: Can I can I outright ask you? Do you think you would have built maybe this roster a little differently had you known this was going to be hero pools? Uh,
3: while building it, well, I wasn't involved in the roster building, uh, but right. um, yes, I would. <laughs> I think this roster wasn't built well uh, for what hero for hero pools. And... So you would have done better if it was just one meta, and you could have uh, like. I'm not. I'm not sure about that uh, because. Yeah, I'm not sure if the if the team was built well at all, but. Um... It would have definitely been a lot better for one matter. Uh for hero pools, right. like right now, what we are thinking of how to build the team, uh, or extend the team or whatever we want to do for twenty twenty one. There's like very specific ideas that that never have been talked about before. Because mm. hero pools wasn't a thing. But there's like specific things that you want in your team now. Um that only makes sense with constant changes and uh right not don't necessarily make cha- make sense if you only have like two or three dominant matters over the course of the season because right. if you have that then it it makes sense to not build a team like fully out and get like people on along the season that uh that help out in your weaknesses but now because of the hero pools you want to have something that is solid for almost whatever is happening. And I'm not going to go into details because I don't want to share my of ideas of what you no, should yeah. do. But there's like some very specific things that you want in your roster that I never, I never thought about before, for example. And I mm-hmm. would have never thought that you want that. But right now I'm like, yes, you definitely want uh, this. Just let let's just right. say, you okay. definitely want five main tanks right now. It's not okay.
4: You heard that, all you Overwatch League coaches. Uh, five Signed, main five tanks main tank, is the best way co-taste. to prepare for hero pools.
1: Yes, you're welcome. Uh, okay, so then let let me ask very in a pro, uh, provoking manner: How are you going to build a roster come off-season window opening when you don't know if Overwatch Two is dropping during the season? When you don't know that hero pools might be continuing, what what is what is your modus operandi
3: now i mean you you just do what uh like right now if i was to if i i had full control uh, of how to build the roster then i would just build it so it makes sense for hero pools and um if at some point whatever happens and you like you would just play for like a lot of diversity and you would just have right. The thing is that like the, the new contracts um that they hand out make True. a lot of sense for teams. Mm-hmm. It's it's like very easy to have a twelve men lineup and have uh or ten or eleven players and have those that don't play in a in any given week just play on contenders. Even if you don't have a contenders team, you can just you can just put them out. to contenders. Right. Uh and more drastically you could fire them. Um right. and give them a thirty day buyout, which is Kind of bullshit for players, um, right? But in theory, teams can do that, uh, and so, so you can still build for this like highly diverse uh, theoretical meta that would uh, that would be coming up in twenty twenty one. And if it's mm-hmm. not happening, then you can still you at least like, have like an out. Yes, That's what you're saying, you're right. still fine. Is but there... if you don't
1: do it, okay, then... right? I'm going. I'm going to elevate that a level. Do you not choose a different head coach as well, depending on what kind of uh meta you're going to get for instance like don't you don't you just or sorry uh like competitive system hero pool, like new heroes coming in like big influx, like four heroes suddenly don't you want different personnel as well, not just players but also staff
3: yes actually oh, yeah. uh, 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 actually yes, like for hero pools for example um it makes a lot more sense to have more staff members and Mm. uh and a different type of personality as a head coach than you would have in stagnant in in three like dominant matters over the season for example yeah i don't want to say too much but like um in theory your head coach is a different person depending on what those two things are and the setup, the structure of your coaching staff in general would be different as well, I think.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Are are you guys thinking about Overwatch 2 at all in all of this? No. Not yet?
3: No. I, I, I'm I, not thinking about Overwatch 2. The only thing that's going to happen is that there will be, like, four new heroes or something, right? And, and a new, new map, game yeah, type, but, I guess. Yeah. But, like, what, what can we do like <laughs> We can't yeah. really can't really do anything about it like we can't really plan or anything i think
1: i mean you don't if have to comment on this but like when the blizzard blizzcon announcement came out my heart dropped a little because in my mind it was like yeah we're not going to hear anything substantial until then maybe yep. and that has big implications on
3: how you build Ross's. it could
1: it could right that's, that's just a well, probability
3: statement yeah i mean i mean i i kind of want to be cynical and just say that like whatever we will just do what we do and like one month before right. we start and we already have our worst blizzard will throw something at us yeah, yeah. But, but, but this, this is, what, happen. is, like, now, this is now, what happened the last 3 years 100% like, right.
2: and it'll always happen it'll happen before the playoffs right before yes. the you know game the season set to launch like it's you know you we, it's a we will never
3: we will never be satisfied and one week before like True. something happens we get Bands, we get like right i i I don't know what's gonna happen i just know something will happen and i won't be prepared no one will be prepared because you can't be prepared but i think
2: i think teams are a little bit more or at least have given the league has given them tools to at least be a little bit more prepared once they do introduce these with the new contract system being able to kind of like quickly adapt the roster should in theory maybe i'm thinking too outside of the box here but You should be able to like, you have more tools than you did previously. Would you agree with that? With how the the contracts are set up
3: for 2021? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: But so it, at least it, teams have a little bit more of a chance. It's still not good. I, think I mean, for teams like, has it's its really problems. Nice. For sure, teams, for
3: players it's yeah. for players complete bullshit. Best of luck. Like, <laughs> yeah, like can you imagine? Theory, just, I mean, in theory, theory what theory you, what what you could do right now is like. Uh, let's say we are scouting contenders players. Hmm? Uh, And actually, okay, let's say let's talk about what what was announced before they changed the timeline. Because right now the timeline is that on October 16 you can sign free agents from Overwatch League. Or Overwatch League players who didn't get the option extended get free agents or something. And one day after contenders players become free agents. What was said before was that Uh, on September 14, Contenders players would become free agents. And on October 3rd or something, Overwatch League players would become free agents. So, what you could have done, (laughs) and this is complete stupid, like for players, what you could have done is, you could have scouted Contenders players, you could have done trials, and gotten like the the six best contenders players like one in each role and give them all 30 day contracts mm-hmm. contracts that are supposed to only last for 30 days because that's a new thing too not just the 30 day buyout but you can mm-hmm. give a 30 day contract so yeah. you sign six contenders players uh, that are the best contenders players and then once overwatch league free agency um, comes up you suddenly have overwatch league talent uh like rein into your possible team for 2021 so you could have been like ah i don't need this contenders player anymore so goodbye good luck Uh, i don't i I can keep this one but i don't need this either so like i hope you find a new team probably not because everyone has the worst already so sucks for you and then like do you realize how bad this is for players like it's it's complete it was complete Garbage and <laughs> fortunately, not no, right? kind of changed yeah. it, yeah. But still, it's not it's still nice. a little anti play nice for teams. Just yes. don't get me wrong. If I'm a team and I'm like, yes, I could get the six best contenders players and then I can still get the best overwatch league players because I can just fire them, <laughs> like that's right. pretty nice. If you're an organization, yeah, uh,
1: but... I mean, we hope that those. Uh, good contenders players with leverage, which is not agree to these contracts, right? But yeah, uh, sure. sure. they're they're it's gonna like that. That
2: definitely would have happened, right? Like I think yes, yeah, it would have.
1: I can one reasonable thing
2: if yeah, from from a team's perspective, if you you know want to trial somebody you think they're good, they don't potentially you know work out. You just let them go, and now they're you know a month a month out of trialing for another team, right? Like it it's gonna hinder their chances, and it's. It's unfortunate i think it's i think the idea or the to to use jessica's kind of uh analogy the spirit of it is definitely useful for teams i think it just has to be balanced a little bit more in the favor of players so that teams at least have an out so that you don't have any team that's just kind of like held hostage by people who just refuse to play and now just have to sit and ride out a contract sure. whatever i mean like- i
3: mean right now it's a bit nicer where you can where you can have like um, buyouts or you can basically just have buyouts. So you sign someone and you say you get like a 45-day buyout, which means if we fire you, we give you 45 days of your salary, uh, worth of your salary. But like, which is good in a sense because... um, Some form of compensation, I suppose. Like a lot of teams that are not as well off, Uh, in terms of like standings Mm -hmm. have trouble getting from 20th place to 10th because it's kind of impossible once you locked in your roster to change that but um, at the same time if you're a player you're like you're like a contenders player and you're like okay i'm giving up school i give up high school i don't finish my bachelor's degree and I go into Overwatch League, what I always dreamt about, and then two months later you are fired.
2: No, there's no security. I,
3: like this. On top this, of yeah, zero pools this and whatever insecurity else. Insecurity is insane. Like that's just... that's some insane stuff for players. And I don't know if I like it. I'd rather like having Boston be twentieth forever. Um, but reach Yeah. Not sure.
4: Uh, just a side tangent. Have you developed any in your like, even just personally for you, or like as an organization? Are there any like rivals teams that you kind of feel like you really want to beat consistently, just kind of irrationally more than some other teams?
3: No. If anything, I feel like we have made like friends. <laughs> like, I feel like I personally am uh, kind of actually very close to the Washington staff. Um, oh, okay. For, for some reason, but mm-hmm. uh, in that sense, we have made friends. But like from a team perspective, something that is kind of weird is that we since we boot camped in Korea last year, uh, we've always been friends with the Paris team. Whenever we were scrimming with Paris, whenever we were playing against Paris, we had so much fun, like actually actually insane amounts of fun. Uh, and I think that goes both ways for them as well as for us, where. Um, I guess to some degree it's because some of the old Toronto members are now with Paris. Like, okay. I, I know all their staff members pretty well. We played football or uh, soccer when we were in um, Korea together. Mm. Uh, obviously, some of the Paris members came to our team uh, Fefe, Iblis, uh, and Cruz right. later on as well. Mm. So, I guess, I guess that helped, but we, we always had, like, a lot of fun together, which is cool. But we never had, like, a real rival, I think. You
4: don't just want to absolutely s- smash the Outlaws whenever you're playing against Dream? You just don't want to just, <laughs> no. like, see the- just 3-0 them, call it a day?
3: Well, we want to do that with any team, but... <laughs> um, Not any out of, the, out of the way. Yes. But yeah, I think we made more friends than rivals, honestly.
1: Right, I was asked to ask which okay. retirement of your uh, team hit you the hardest.
3: Jay. <laughs> okay. Can you Definitely explain? Uh, because okay, I, I felt like when when Calix retired, he was the first one to say that he wants to retire. I think he wasn't mm. the first one who did retire, but he was the first one who mm. said he wants to. Mm. Um, and when Calex retired, I was like, "Yep, just another day into One to defy and like I know this from last season this is this oh, is yeah, where okay. we start. Right. Mm. Uh, so I was like, okay, i guess I guess that's the thing. We'll have to look for um a replacement now, and fortunately enough, we um got really lucky that we could pick up Kuz. um." So so I guess that was like okay we'll take it when mm. Fefe retired i was like okay that's
0: weird now <laughs> well that, that, getting that flashbacks that was,
3: that was probably the one that hit the team the hardest i think because mm. uh, yeah i feel like while while we still had our structure like a lot of maybe disciplining wasn't there anymore um all of a sudden um which maybe wasn't like a huge issue but it's just yeah it's just it's just something but jay the jay retirement hit me personally the most because um obviously i've been i've been working with jay for two years Mm, and like uh he actually kind of always looked out for me and even if i sometimes think that like Okay, maybe maybe Jay could have done something faster, or he could have like done a better job here or whatever. Like if I when I was reminiscing about this, I was like, yeah, but in the end, at the end of the day, Jay was always like a good a good person to work with and a good friend. Like mm. f- as an example, like <laughs> when um when I was signed by Toronto, uh something that we were joking about, because back then I had actually a lot of offers, was that um as like as like a deal I made with Jay, it was if we win the first match of the season in 2019, then Jay would take me to the Panda Zoo in San Diego. (laughs) So we won our first match because we were actually really good um, in the first stage uh, in 2019. I remember that. We were actually a top four team, like easily. Uh, So we won, we won our first match and and like a week or two after jay rented a car <laughs> he rented a car and he drove me to san diego which is the three-hour drive from los wow. angeles he drove me to san diego just to go to the zoo and watch the pandas in the zoo um <laughs> which was a really nice day we watched like koala bears as well and stuff but uh it like and then he drove back three hours, so it was like a day trip to right. see the pandas. Right. So, I, and I don't think like a lot of people would do that kind of thing. Right. Uh, that's not that's not a fun drive, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: don't yeah, I don't, think, I don't
3: think it's a fun drive. No, but no. I I don't remember the drive. I just remember the panda. So, mm. um, it it was cool. I've never seen pandas before, and uh, it was obviously it was just a joke at the start, but then we did it. So it, and um. Yeah, again, that's just something that not a lot of people do. And uh, having Jay having Jay retire was it actually hit me like really hard. I think, yeah, this is by far, yeah, by far the worst that could have happened. Like I remember um, on the day that he told us, I I like had to go out for a walk. <laughs> mm. uh, it was coronavirus already, right? So I went. I went walking around to the Ontario Lake or whatever it's called. And when I came back, uh, Jay actually came out of the apartment complex. And uh, I I just had to hug him and stuff because oh. I just, yeah. Um, it was it was hard. <laughs> yeah. it was but tough. he's
1: staying around in esports. With yeah. That's true. Yeah, he's back now. If
3: that's a good thing or not for him, then <laughs> that may be decided but uh, i think the job that he has now he's an agent for scg is actually um something that suits him really well because he's always cared about like he's always cared about players and staff a lot um maybe more than uh the company would have liked sometimes because in the end he's the general manager but um because of that i think this new job suits him actually really well and mm-hmm. I would recommend anyone who wants an agent to talk to Jay. Because not only is Jay just like a really good person and a caring person, but also I think that SEG is by far the best um, agency in esports right now. Right. From what I can see. Um, For anybody who
2: doesn't or isn't, you know, as well versed, that's the agency that both, I think, Morte and uh, bench, bench, Mob, famously, yes. former journalist and writer. End of the show, all have uh, worked and kind of coalesced into now. Jay's joining that bunch. It's a, it's a, it's a good group of guys, so definitely,
1: yeah, and recommend. a good good agency, of course. Like, that, that we have to, um, I have to show like some, some impartiality, but like, in the sense, like, players need a good agent this season more so than ever sure. because oh, yes. rights were uh, taken away from like that you had for granted before. And now there's a lot of room that an agent can negotiate for you and it's going to be very important and whatever, like if you got a good agent they are paying themselves basically by the deal they're getting for you.
3: Yeah, Um, the thing the thing is that like um, from a team perspective, it's like really nice if you don't have an agent Uh, and and I feel like from all the agencies that we are interacting with um, because of free agency and stuff, SEG is the one that like actually is the most useful for players because like there's like agencies like Evolved who have a big name for some reason, but they don't do shit. Like they don't do shit and unless, unless uh, you show them your contract and you're like, should I take this offer? And then you wait for, like, three days and they don't come back at you. And the, you're like, oh, they told me you, I have to sign now. Like, can you give me advice? And they don't tell you shit and uh, still. And you're like, okay, I signed it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank mm. you for the help. Uh, here's your money. Uh, while SEG is actually helping throughout the season, as far as I know, mm. like, um, because I, I actually don't have an agent. Uh, but if I would take one, it would be SEG. Uh, but the thing is that SEG actually helps players throughout the season a lot. Like Bench is interacting, was interacting a bunch on Woki's behalf. Um, I remember for like just getting English lessons and whatever Woki needed really. Like they just help you. It's nice. That's
2: great. Also shout out to Roki. I don't know if I could love uh, a, a man more. <laughs> his uh his brood war little like i grew up here i'm like i, I liked you kid i knew i liked you <laughs> nice so uh,
4: just i think one more topic i think kind of on the overwatch thing and then we can maybe rapid sure. fire a couple questions and then uh, wrap it up here um so since we're kind of on the topic of jay and 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 that so, Jay uh, announces that he's leaving at least publicly. I don't know when you guys knew, but that was uh early June. Uh, June ended up being one of your uh best months as far as um your, your performance goes, as far as uh going deep into uh summer showdown. <laughs> Not that it is because they left, but. Uh, can can you talk a little bit like was there was there any sort of moment of rallying or figuring it out was it just a favorable meta Uh, like who came and and pulled the team together there Mm -hmm. to at least have a coherent June and early July
5: Um,
2: trying to even remember looking back at what the meta was to try and
3: I think it was probably just a very favorable matter for all of our players. Uh, we obviously, uh, it felt like during that time we just put in a lot more work than um, we did for other parts of the season. Maybe mm-hmm. because it was favorable, but that kind of snowballed each other to like, to like, we put in more work and we are uh, like, from the beginning and we maintain that prowess throughout the whole matter, uh, and actually become better at it now uh, i'm not sure if there was any particular person if i, I don't remember yeah i don't remember how, what what it all was like in the timelines with like picking up crews and like getting numlogged i don't know when it all happened uh if we already had them at the point um but like whenever we, we got the new Numlock was in...
4: signed four days before Jay at least publicly um, okay. announced his retirement. Well yeah, uh, Zik was definitely... already there. Cruz was about a month before.
3: Yeah, Namluck coming in was definitely a big deal. When Cruz came in it was as well, but Namluck coming in was a big deal as well because um Numbluck puts in like a lot of work. Mm. And um, definitely by far the most work out of any player we had this season, uh, and that's not to say that the others don't do shit. Sure, like sure. Namlod is just doing insane amounts of work, like probably too much for in, for his own health. Um, but because of that, uh, I guess it was just that um, everyone kind of got like a bump in motivation, and uh, it obviously helped for the For the Genzi matter, for the summer showdown. and um I guess it just kind of snowballed us being like good at the matter anyway, and uh, putting in a lot of extra work that we didn't otherwise do. so um It was, yeah, a combination of things, I guess.
2: Sure, and to kind of give Numlock uh, uh, some credit that I think he's overdue for, um, Jay putting in chat that Numlock was his last signing before he, you know, retired and moved into to you know being a player agent. Um, NumLocked shares a lot of the same narrative that like Fearless kind of does, right? And and you see Fearless getting a lot, a lot of like praise and love. NumLocked, not so much. Not a player that people really look towards as kind of like a, an inspirational player, kind of. Really looking at the path to pro and and what that was supposed to be. He, he's done. He's seen every the highs, the lows. Now kind of returning back to the top and and playing on the biggest stage in Overwatch with the Defiant. I think it's it's it, it speaks a lot to his character. it Speaks a lot to his play. Definitely.
3: Uh. Yes. Somebody who you have to realize levels. that Numlock is like 27 years old. So he's my age and uh, pretty sure he's 27. If not if not 28. He's a Somewhere bit older up. than me. Um, Twenty-seven but... according to yes. Wikipedia. So if I wanted to be a player, I would never like, I, I just couldn't do it. Like it takes so much it takes so much effort to like maintain your place at the top. Mm. And if someone of that age is still like maybe not at the very top, but he's still like hanging in there. That tells you a lot about mm-hmm. this person, and uh as it is uh, again, he's like the most hardworking person I've ever encountered in in this scene so far, so um he deserves to be in this league, and uh i think yeah i I just think it speaks volumes that um uh that he's still in here, and that he probably was a big part of us doing well in the sh- summer showdown and, um, throughout the rest of the season, really. Mm.
4: So, uh, we'll keep talking here for a second, but I just want to let chat know anybody listening. Um, if you do have questions for bro, now's the time to post them in chat. Uh, so, um, definitely do that.
2: Yeah. Big, big love to Seb. Yeah. Absolute stellar. I do want to kind of like look at some of the, the new additions. Um, Zick has definitely been one that kind of stood right. out especially looking at the finals or okay. rather the playoffs. Um could you talk a little bit about maybe the signing process for him like why particularly him and what he kind of did for the team? Um
3: we thought that we needed someone who's particularly good at May at the time. Okay. Um because Brady didn't cover well, Brady didn't cover all the hero uh, all the heroes that we would have liked to play as much mm-hmm. or as efficiently as we wanted to, okay. uh, and at that time specifically on May, we thought that uh, Brady was a little bit weaker, and um, I don't remember what the meta was like, but uh, this was the reason why we wanted to look for someone else um, as an addition to the roster, and I think. Well, he's French, so some of our Frenchies and, and the coaching staff knew him. Uh, and well, some French they wanted mafia to, strings. Yes, they, they wanted to give him a chance, and so we did. That's good. And in the end, we signed him. We trialed him for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we gave him a two-week contract at first, mm-hmm. and then um, we signed him. So, uh, yeah, I personally didn't have much to do with that signing, because I actually didn't know Zik before. Um mm-hmm. But I think it made sense to get him. And Zeke is actually, like, he's a player who, like, is very receptive when it comes to feedback. Uh, It's very nice to see. Obviously, he's, like, young and hungry, as you'd like Mm. to say. He's coming out of contenders. So he's, like, really hungry and tries to improve as much. And uh, we gave him a structure that he's never encountered before. uh, Because say what you will about the worst Overwatch League teams, they are probably still more structured than any contenders team you can be in. Even if it's like Boston or Washington or Houston or Toronto or like okay. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't probably, matter yeah. um they are they are still probably a better place to improve than any contenders team you can be in um, so uh and that and it showed that he's really receptive of that, so we were actually really happy in signing him and uh, in the end um he did, like, a lot more than we ever could have asked for of him. Yeah. Like, he, he, like, stepped up and learned how to play somewhere. And even in the end, he might have not been, like, really good on it. But, like, his improvement rate uh, was actually insane. Like, I don't know if you played him much on Ash, but this guy is actually a nuts Ash. And he's a, he's a flex DPS player. Like, he's not a hitscan player, but we just had him play hitscan because we needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it... Uh yeah, he, he actually he's like <laughs> he's like this company slave. Like you tell him, Ah, you know, I know you don't know the somber character, but could you play her? <laughs> and he's like, mm. Yeah, sure. Like, he, <laughs> like you know, like most other players uh who are like around for a while, they're like, nah mate, fuck off. <laughs> but uh Zeke just does it. And um even though he doesn't always look like really great on some of those characters. Like the, the rate at which he is improving is actually really um uh really spectacular, yeah. Like yeah. especially on Ash. I don't I don't know why but his Ash is actually really good.
1: No. <laughs> hmm. Yeah like also just like the way he played the pharaoh was very smart. Like mm-hmm. uh, yes. the type of angles he chose and like that's by the way I one thing I wanted to ask you because Okay. Like there is this this idea that like it's almost like diamond platinum level like deduction of strategy it's like there's a pharaoh. so you get an ash a widow or a mccree and that counters it right yeah. do you think uh the ash comp was the counter to what's the Farah comp no
3: the, the the ash comp was the standard like that's what people normally were playing and uh well okay in theory, it's probably the best counter you can get. But um but the thing is that this fair comp makes a lot of sense for like one specific reason, which is that like um you also play Wotog. <laughs> right. And Wotog is actually really weak against rush comps. Um that's why Nowadays, we see a lot of Reaper Sombra. It's something that I kind of uh, wanted to play at the start when this meta was implemented. Just play Wash because it beats the Wotok. And uh, people were trying out Wotok at times. But if you play Wotok with Pharaoh, then you have to play Hitscan. And Hitscan is normally like nothing that you can wash well with. So if you play Ash, then you're not going to play Ash Wash to beat the Wotok. So, it kind of splits up your resources and and what you want to do. And also, on a lot of maps, the Pharaoh can do whatever she wants, even if there's a Mm -hmm. widow, even if there's Ash. Like, if you have a good Pharaoh player, you can just play around the buildings, and your Ash is looking in the sky, and she's like, The the Pharaoh is there behind the tower. I can't shoot at her,
0: but I can look there. There she is. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. she is.
3: I think it was definitely
2: something you guys.
0: (laughs) <laughs> the pharaoh will shoot at you. Oh, you died! My team is right. dying,
3: <laughs> and I can't do anything so about it. I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a great counter, but it's probably the best you can do. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: like the way you guys played around, it was like have Zeke uh, either like in the, these like great positions. I'm thinking like let's say, um, oh, what's this? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. uh, the third point where it's like um inside uh, Dur- Yo, I, I'm mixing up sorry, it's very late. Facebook? Like um no, it, it should be Dorado third, where like you come out of point and then like you just had Zeke on that slope the entire time where the Ash would have to look up at a really awkward angle um like like in order to catch uh, catch him, and then okay. like he just retreated up on up that. I mean, it's uh, if you want to call it slope, uh, just evading very well. And oh then, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah.
1: Right? I think I know what you're
3: talking about. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, that's like that's not favored. Ash favored in that situation, right? Like whatever you position the ash, either it's like super easy to pick her off uh, with hog in that case, or like it's just like it's so awkward to aim at an uh like. At a ninety percent, uh, at ninety degree angle for, uh, from the floor, like just uh up there, and like yes. it, tracking just doesn't work the same way. It's really awkward. So
3: I, I personally still think that Rush is probably the best counter you can play against the Fella comp. Like e- even right. if uh, probably the Reaper summer actually uh makes the most sense because like the Fella, the reason why you play Rush against Poke. It's because the Poke doesn't have the time to kill the Rush, because the Rush is fast. Uh, and if, you, if you're if you just fast at killing the Poke comp, which this Wotog Pharaoh comp is, a Poke comp, uh, then um, even if the Pharaoh is alive, the Pharaoh Mercy is alive, and the other four heroes are dead, and maybe Pharaoh gets like two kills or something at the end, but like mm. she can't win the fight on her own. So uh, I think... You might probably not need an ash or a little bit of or whatever.
2: I hate to get like strat nerdy, but like looking at what you guys did on, I think your first fight attack against Glads on Temple, uh, you would have like Nevix and I think it was Logics on Sombra, like flanking and having Zik. Like the surface area of like your general composition was like super like spread apart, right? You would okay. have. Your your diva and your somber kind of collide with the enemy ash. I think it was Glad's Ash, yes. if I'm remembering the match correctly. Like you 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 either could position your far in a way that like put the ash in danger, or you just dealt with her with like this this big dive and then attacking through like mid. Like is there are there certain maps where like rush isn't favored? Where it's oh, just yeah, like, sure. what do you do? Like yes. if you're Temp- if you're if you're the the, the reaper team on temple. And you like for whatever reason like have the soul read and and they they know that the Washington Justice for instance right they're going to attack with that hog comp like that feels really awkward to be able to dive yes. off the point and try to rush the team so like are there, there like weird scenarios where you can force them into picking something that's like incomp like incoherent?
3: Well, there's some there's some maps that where it's like just really good uh, mm-hmm. or where it's like really bad and. Uh I, I think that one of those maps is actually Ilios, which was okay. the first map that we played. And um for some reason uh who was it? Uh, Gladiators picked that map and we were like, oh nice, because like we were so bad at control maps. We were so bad at control maps, but they picked Ilios, and we were like, fuck, we could actually win, and we actually won the first map, which uh, was really nice. Um, But this is one of those maps where I think Faro is actually favored, no matter what you do. Mm. Mm.
2: Interesting. Historical fire map as well? Hollywood? Maybe not so much. I feel like that's one of those maps where you don't have to, like, leap too terribly off of, like, those key control points to to rush the, the poke, but... Yeah, that that made that definitely uh, makes me more interested to see what, what happens when the, the two styles collide in Asia because obviously we're seeing, you know, pig's feet if if we're sticking to that name. You know, do you have any kind of thoughts or opinions on, on that? Is that something you guys were trying? Is that kind of has that crossed your mind at all?
3: We've tried a bunch of stuff at mm. at the start, but then we just we just like um went hard on the Farrakhan because you were like, okay, might as well play something that no one else is playing and that makes kind of sense. Um, so I don't really have first-hand experience on anything else. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what's happening. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of shocked that uh, San Francisco actually won against Philly. Mm. Let's see what's oh, happening really? in, in Korea, I guess. I didn't watch much of the Asian games so I right. don't know what's going to happen <laughs> like before playoffs at least I didn't watch that much yeah but obviously Shanghai is doing uh, was doing really well throughout the whole season mm. and
1: yeah. then it's, it's soul soul sneaking in being the the new seasons, justice the season's long at the end just there's a playoff profit mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, I think another. Go ahead. No, no, keep going.
2: I think like it would be remiss not to talk about Cruz and and the impact he had on your team. I think we did kind of bring you on and definitely got to talk about him. But as like the to wrap it up in in a nice big bow with you know his introduction to the team, not the season is over. Um, could you talk about a little uh, about his impact? You know what he did for the team. You know how he worked with the team. Like what was his role in the team? Cruz in general.
5: Cruise.
3: Um well he came into the team more or less as a replacement for Calex because mm-hmm. we uh, we thought that Woki wasn't wasn't uh, quite ready yet okay fortunately um, I think Woki deserves like a lot more playtime and a lot more applause than he gets because he he was actually doing like he he is putting in so much effort it's it's like really sad to to have him benched sometimes because like um i don't i don't you, you can't really see it from the outside, but like the amount of time he literally just spent learning English this season is like insane the 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 prowess he went through from last year at English to right now is insane like the he's so much better right now than he was ever before. Um, But the problem was that the whole COVID thing happened and we scrapped our uh, academy team. And because of that, Wokey didn't have much playtime. So uh, that all kind of snowballed in him not playing as much as he probably deserved uh, because he just wasn't ready because he didn't play much scrims with anyone uh, for a while, unfortunately. But yeah, Kuz, Kuz came in and he immediately became like a, I would say the emotional leader of the team he would always like try to get everyone like up there to do more and uh sometimes he would like even initiate if we had like a bad day or something he would be like yeah let's watch 2 hours of wards right after after um our our scrims today and then um people would kind of hop onto that and we would try harder and harder and uh He was, I think, he was very important in the sense that he just got everyone mentally ready to be better than they could be, Mm. uh, or to perform better than they would normally. Um, And he was incredibly important for the team in that sense. Where, for example, I think we would have never done as well as we did, like in the in the end, in the in our playoffs, then. Uh, without Cruz, because he was, he was just like trying to put in more effort and more effort and more effort, and and he's different from Numlocked in the sense that Numlock Namlock puts in like insane amounts of effort, but he Cruz brings like makes everyone do it, like um, maybe not to the same degree that a Numlock would do, but he just he just makes everyone uh, try harder, kind of. It's hard to describe because it's really intangible i feel mm-hmm. like the yeah. role of an emotional leader but it's also something we didn't have before and it's something that i think to some degree kind of every team needs for sure honestly definitely and again speaks so, yeah, to it, was, it of... was nice to see kruz is also very receptive he played he never played brick before which i didn't know so his brick was fucking awful at the start mm. but uh he actually kind of picked up on a lot of the things that we taught him fairly quickly mm-hmm. uh which is always nice to see shout outs to Cruz.
2: Shoutouts to defiant for killing it who's Excited the laziest on one? your team i'm just
3: kidding <laughs> okay well <there's>, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm joking let's just say it's me it's none of the players. No one is There you go. Has there to go.
4: Three days later, Baroy has been released from the Toronto. To <laughs> <laughs> Dang. That would be brutal. Man, this was fun. I wish we could just kind of keep chatting. There's so many great stories and anecdotes. And I think the Trial Defiant are just a team that <laughs> I know you do. Unfortunately, I don't I don't. I think Yiska, it's like what?
1: Yeah. Coming up I on got midnight it. here. Yeah, and I, I gotta to go to the doctor's early in the morning, so
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we do, we do got to cut it for <laughs> right now, but chat, thank you so much for hanging out. Hope you all had a ton of fun today. Big thank you to the memento Mori underscore Ick and repo one for the new subs during the show today. Uh, appreciate you a ton as well as all of our patron producers, refined bean Fredino pin battle crab, Kuchikopi lotion, Rex Zane, audio compass, Kasha, 67, Shara, Nathan, your misery, Hunter Tane, fabled, Steven, Roger B. Owen. Chris R34444, Horbjorn, and I listen to the podcast whilst in the sh- toilet and in the shower thinking of Yiska and Peace Camper. Thanks for uh, supporting the show. Go to patreon.com slash tacticalcrouch or leave a sub right here. It's still September, so uh, your first subs and set of September. subs are um, discounted to various rates depending on how long you decide to... Um, subs so i uh, appreciate you a ton but baroy uh for you before we get out of here uh, we always like to give any anybody who's coming on representing a team an opportunity uh to not only just kind of any shout outs but also any messages to the fans out there there's a lot of toronto defiant fans
3: oh actually uh, like our fan our families is like really nice i think i i think they haven't released the video yet uh maybe they did uh but like there's a video coming up Uh, which is our Rewind series, where we just talk about the last few matches. And this one is obviously a kind of summarizing up the whole season. And we are talking a bit about the fans, because you have to realize, like, our fan base is actually, like, super supportive, like, um, compared to a lot of other teams. Like, just look at what happened to Houston (laughs) when Houston lost against Boston. I just looked at Twitter and everyone was just trash talking their coaches so hard. And they were like, Why are you playing power? Like, our fan base compared to that is actually really supportive. Uh, and I think, uh, like, a huge shout out to the fans. I think we have one of the biggest fan bases for some reason as well, um, which is nice.
4: For sure. Uh, I, would, I would say you would. Top.
3: Yeah, top six. I, as far as I. I mean I never looked at those numbers, but as far as I heard from our company we we do have like a top four fan base or something. Um I believe that. Which is which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're really supportive. But most of all, just tune into the fucking goats tournament this Sunday. Because That's it's gonna be high. Fucking fucked. goats.
4: Fucking tournament. Tournament. I don't <laughs> want to tune into a fucking GOATS We're gonna tournament. Gonna what?
0: We are gonna play uh, goats? goats
3: all day. Yusko grew up Everyone with, is this. playing goats.
1: One time, dude. One time. Please go goats, bro.
3: Just one. <laughs> just go goats. We will have 10 teams competing against each other, all by our players, led by our mm-hmm. players. It will be fun as hell. It will be better than any crush. Contenders game. <laughs> <laughs>
4: what is, what is that? Do you, do you have the exact times?
3: And dates? Uh, it will start at 11 a.m. Eastern, and it will go until like 7 p.m. or something. I will also be that, there. Is that's on Saturday? Uh, 27th. On Sunday. Yeah. on Sunday. Sunday. 27th.
4: Thank you. Sunday.
3: Yes. It's... Uh, I think that's also the day when the Contenders final is happening at some point. But you don't have to watch that. Just watch GOATS. Because no one wants to watch Contenders anyway. We know all that. So Come, we'll just on, watch no, Come on, man. No, you know that. No uh, one watches this. Just watch Goats. I'll be there as well on the end of this desk uh, plugging in the like, nice TD Bank uh, sponsorships. Um, this so is
1: why you're... this team only gets like the old farts in. Like 27-year-olds. <laughs> like
3: never nobody watching watches, Contenders.
4: Nobody watches Tier 2 Is just... Uh, him speaking for the Toronto oh, coaching tier
3: staff. Two. I I watched here too.
4: Mm, no one. He's walking it back now. Watches. He's just walking right. it back. No one wants to watch. Sweeping tier up two. his footsteps as he. <laughs> <laughs> it back. Right. Baroy, thanks again. Follow Broy at GG sure. Baroy, Uh Yiska, really quick shout outs for the week. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, just doing behind the scenes stuff. R- really nothing to offer up. Uh, like just going to tell people to already start without me at, while I prove people
3: are on the Reddit wrong
1: <laughs> okay. uh, Joe
4: what about I you mean, man? You should
3: rewatch the info for the show it's actually really good the best yes. intro in 137 shows so far
4: yep. uh, maybe, maybe second still to the, to the Yiska dance last time just be oh. intro right? to that so right. uh, Joe what about you man?
2: yeah um not too much coming up uh i talked about how the 2020 off season is going to be uh, be crazy um based on a couple things uh COVID i didn't, being I
3: one didn't of them. read that oh, yet, actually i wanted to
2: read it it's earlier. summary shits gonna be crazy that's the gist of
3: it click the ads a lot of uh, there's a lot of crazy shit happening actually yeah. Yeah, Like guess apparently there's like a lot of free agencies that I didn't expect would become <laughs> free agents and stuff. There you like go. That. Thanks for waiting till chat the end of the show.
2: <laughs> got a little juice, Chad. Uh, there you go. Crazy shit. Uh, um, outside of that, got a couple colorful features coming out, some narrative stuff, and uh, yeah, be on the lookout. Awesome. Um,
4: as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. I've been streaming some TFT and my TFT grind um, on the stream here, prepping for Shadowlands and. Uh, posting controversial tech tweets on Twitter, I think is kind of my new thing. So, uh, that's going to be it. That's been a ton of fun. Uh, join my discord discord.me slash kick tripod. Otherwise join our discord discord.me slash Yiska out, uh, is where we're hanging out, having a good time. Um, I am definitely looking if any of you tactical crouch listeners are playing world of Warcraft, um, looking for like leveling buddies and just. You know, general gaming nerdery stuff, like by all means, let's chat because uh I'm amped for shadowlands um other than that, big thanks to everybody. follow us everywhere, at tactical crouch. We love you. We'll see you next time and
0: bye,, bye. yay.